Welcome to the SLP Stress Management Podcast, where you can manage and reduce stress and find more balance in your life. I am Jesse Andrix, your host, and I am very excited today to be talking with fellow SLP, Rachel Archambault. How are you today, Rachel? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking today with you because we have probably been like sending each other messages on Instagram for a while now and like, you know, posting things and commenting on each other's posts and, um, you know, talking in that way. And for a while, I've wanted to have you on here and have you share some of your experience as an SLP and stress and um, share some of your story that maybe some of the listeners might not be familiar with. But, um, you know, really let them know more about you and where to find you and all of this wonderful stuff, because I so enjoy um, all of the things that I get to read when we do connect on Instagram and and the little conversations that we have back and forth. So basically, I'm just really excited that you're here. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And I, I think you said it perfectly. Like, I've, I've had my Instagram page for just over a year now. And I kind of remember you being one of the first people I added. And I, I didn't have, like, on my personal page, I didn't have SLPs that I followed, really. So it was just kind of like, destiny or whatever you know that like everything that you post I I don't even see your name at the top I'm just like oh yeah that's a good post and then I see it's from you (laughs) like I I feel like our pages flow so nicely into the other one and, and it builds off of each other with stress management I my Instagram is called at PTSD SLP that PTSD with SLP whatever you want to call it um but I don't just talk about PTSD. I talk about trauma relating to speech pathologists, relating to kids, to clients, to yourself, to your spouses, whoever. Um, and seeing what you post on your page just flows so nicely into mine. And it's nice that we're able to like build off of each other kind of. And there is this little community of SLPs working on stress management, meditation, yoga, uh, just, just general like wellness and health, which to me seems so weird that there's an, a niche of this. And I feel like this should be a broader thing that is taught in grad school or just like health, you know, it, it seems so simple, but um, I'm really happy to be here to talk to you finally. Yeah, me too. And, and I do, um, I feel the same way it is like there's this little growing community um, and and it's mostly on social media, which is amazing because we can connect from all over and it, it is like, you know, it's small, but it's growing for sure. But it is something that you're like, you know, at at one, in one way, it's like so awesome that it's there. But then you also think like, why isn't, like you said, why isn't this bigger? Like, why aren't we just not even needing this? Because we've already learned it all in, in grad school and, and in undergrad even. Um, yeah. So, so I'm so excited. And, you know, we talked, like you just mentioned, you do offer a lot of things that aren't just PTSD related, like you offer so much about that and information on that, but then it's not just about, you know, PTSD as an SLP, but about 
being an SLP and about things that you could do in your, your therapy and things that you can do with your students, but things you can do for yourself. And it's just, you know, anybody listening, if you haven't already been over there to follow Rachel, like we'll definitely give you the scoop at the end for sure of where to, where to follow, but head over there because it's amazing. So for people that don't know much, you know, about you or, or maybe that are new to listening and tuning in, um, can you share a little bit about your work as an SLP um, and or, or kind of like your journey as an SLP and maybe some of the stress or even the PTSD related um, things that you've been going through and working with? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so this is my fifth year as an SLP and it's also my fifth year at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because on Valentine's Day in 2018, we experienced a mass shooting there that uh, 17 people were killed, including staff and uh, students. And there were also 17 more that were injured. Um, I, I was the working SLP at that time. We also had another SLP there. Um, and I've been working there ever since. And coming out of that tragedy, I kept hearing there is no rule book for this. There, this is the new normal, which now thanks to COVID, the new normal is the, the second, this is the second time I'm being exposed to that phrase. And it's just ugh, it's so gross. Um, but anyway, after being exposed to that trauma and people saying there is no rule book for this, there kind of is a rule book for this. There have been other school shootings before, and it was I. It was terrible for me to think that like I had to go searching for information on how to help myself, on how to help my students. And there were some like district provided or state provided or like donated services, um, but for the most part, like moving on from that tragedy, there was no help or guidance to how I should best use my sessions as a speech pathologist um, or, or just like how to help my students in general or what to focus on. And that led me into this amazing world of trauma-informed education, trauma-informed practice. And it, it's been a lifestyle change that I not only tried, I think I'm like 100% accurate at school, um, if it were a goal for myself, but I, I use it at school, but I also use it in my life. Um, and I try to present on it whenever possible. Uh, and that, that time in my life was extremely stressful, but it was also a lot of anxiety. And I think before this happened, if you were to ask me if I were an anxious person, I would have said no, but I was actually just doing a really good job of hiding it or masking it. And when I look back on like my, myself in high school, I was extremely anxious. I'm, I have to be in control of certain situations. And it, it's taken me until now to be a person that is able to let go of control of certain things. And that is pretty much my experience with stress and anxiety. I am an anxious person, but I know how to cope with these skills more because I've educated myself on coping strategies through social media, through research, through, uh, you know, all these avenues, books, um, but that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. And 
I mean, like you said, they they come at, you know, the response is there is no rule book. This is the new normal, which like you said, now that's kind of been like the tagline for this year, which is like, I mean, it's one of those things that you hear and it's both helpful and not helpful at the same time. Um, and, and then having to figure this all out for yourself, like it's just one of those things where it sounds like it's it's it, like it was like an added thing that I could have not yeah. had to, to put on like a burden that I did not have to carry but it was something that I needed in order to feel better and now what I've done through my page and since what happened at my school I've actually connected to at least three SLPs that have gone through a mass shooting and we have been each other's support system or it's amazing the network that I have that as soon as one of those happens and someone posted on Facebook, immediately someone tagged me and like, please talk to Rachel. And I actually met someone at ASHA like a week after their mass shooting. And like, we were just able to kind of commiserate and I was able to send documents. I was able to send social stories that I made for, for her students. It's, I think social media has such amazing benefits. Um, I, I, there's a ton of harmful things about social media, but I have found it a truly safe place. And I've made my speech page a, a place that is like no negativity. I know that's not the real world, but it, it's a place that I go on, I flip through everything and I, I feel at peace, I feel good absorbing all that material when my personal page isn't at all like that and can contribute to my anxiety and my stress. Yeah. But I know what you mean by it not being like the real world in a positive place. Cause there is that like, you know, kind of thing with social media where everyone's like, yeah, it's great to connect, but then also, you know, it's not always reality and that can make you feel bad, but yours is more, like it's a positive reference place. Like it's a place where you can go and get resources, not just like you pretending that everything is okay all the time. You know, oh, so, definitely. And, yeah. and my my posts itself are not always going to be like happy <laughs> posts. They're usually unhappy posts, but it's the truth. But like the people that I choose to follow, I've made it like other speech pathologists, a lot of um, um, school counselors, psychologists, therapists, uh, licensed mental health counselors at everything I've had it made so that those are the posts that I'm seeing instead of like surgical procedures or you know uh, right. new news stuff um if I want that I can go to my page <laughs> yeah that's how I feel about um Facebook I always like think to myself when I'm gonna hit you know hit the icon and, and open up Facebook I'm like this is going to be the negative experience of like the news and just people kind of complaining and Facebook groups where like, you know, everything is kind of the worst. And then Instagram is where it's like you said, like I've chosen to follow the accounts that kind of bring in positivity and are like hopeful about things. And it's, it can be so uplifting on days that you're just needing something and, or if you just need a resource and a reference to go to for something um, or community to connect to. So absolutely. So what, um, you mentioned that like you, you know, you have that kind of group 
that you're connected with from other SLPs that have been through this similar experience. But then, you know, like you said, people are, you know, if something happens, they know that you're someone they can can tag to help, you know, someone else go through um, the trauma that they're going through or find something that, you know, resources they need. So what are some of the things that um, you can do if you're experiencing, you know, any kind of stress from trauma, whether it's from, you know, something that is similar, you know, but like if it is something like a mass shooting or if it's some of the trauma that people might be experiencing from this 2020, this year with, you know, everyone's lives kind of being flipped upside down. That, that's exactly it. People need to know that, that we are going through a traumatic time, whether they recognize that now or not. Our lives have been uh, uprooted in many different ways for different people. And one person's tragedy is not worse or or better than another person's. Everyone has an individual experience with trauma. Trauma is trauma. Um, on my page, I've done recently some guided breathing activities, which mm -hmm. have seemed to be very popular. I have a lot of people messaging me like, what, please do another. I've worked these three and I'm done. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm going to continue doing more guided breathing. Um, also, I, I like posting... Uh, affirmations, things to uh, say about yourself or things to say to people. That has been a big thing for me, especially during 2020 when there's been a lot of death. There's been um, just a lot of sadness in general when people feel like they need to say after a death, they're in a better place. I experienced that after the shooting that I went through that people would say they're in a better place. And that didn't seem appropriate then. And I recommend there are certain things to say to people um, af after tragedy. And there are safer ways to, to wish someone well without putting your views on them. So I, I really like posting things to say. And these are very like therapist ways to say something like, hmm, tell me more. And like, you know, it's not invasive. It's not intrusive in any, any way. But the guided breathing um, are my favorite things to post right now and I'm going to be continuing those um, and just like things to say are my, my two favorite things. Awesome. And I've, I've noticed both of those. I love the, the guided breathing because that's just something that I love to do too. And so it's one of those things that when I see your video, it reminds me to do it because it's something you can do like anywhere, anytime. And it doesn't always have to be something that like, people will even know that you're doing or sometimes it could be like a, a different breathing technique that like you know you want to go probably and have like a little zen moment to do it but it's something that is like so powerful and then you're what you're talking about with affirmations and and saying saying things a different way or really understanding what you're saying like one of your posts recently where you were talking about um you know people saying they're in a better place and and I never really thought about that and, and thinking about, you know, how some of the things that we say in response to someone passing away may not be, even when it's out of kindness, um, it might just not be quite right. 
Right. And, and I, I don't even realize it sometimes. So it's I, just like such a great learning experience. Yeah. And this is, I'm learning as I go too. And I've had um, debates with people about this. And a lot of people, when, when I say, oh, saying to someone they're in a better place it, is not what I would use. I would usually say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm saying that I, I feel for you. I feel your feelings. When you say that you, you're pushing your views on them, in one way um but it, it's just like ways to say something a little bit better um that the person knows that you're there and the argument that i've gotten into is that people say well the in there were good intentions there and it, it's basically saying that the person that is saying that phrase not not the person that is feeling sad is more their feelings are more worth it. I'm saying it because I'm sorry for you, not you need to accept this. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. I think I'm just rambling. Yeah. It's been a long day. No, no, I totally get it. For, <laughs> for me, it was almost like some of the things we say, there could be kindness to it, but then we can take it, you know, and that's like when we're like, well, we, we intended something good from it, but then you can take it to like being more mindful of what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. And you, it's just you, like yes. learning more. Yeah. So, yeah. so what could you do like with your students if you wanted to bring some of this into the therapy sessions or if you know that like your students have been through something and um, or you're not sure and you just want to make sure that what you're doing is something that's going to be helpful and like even more like even more mindful for them. What are some of the things that you could do? to help your students with some of the stress that they're working with in their speech therapy realm? I'm so happy you asked me that because that was really, that's how I've put this into motion is, is what has worked with my students. And I have many students that have lost fa family members since the pandemic and since then. Mm -hmm. um, and what I like to say is, I, I hear you, I'm so sorry. What can I do to help you? Or I like asking an action. If I know the student well, can I do this for you? Can I contact this person for you? Can I um, reach out to your parent and see if we can make a therapist appointment at the school? We do have therapists there. So it's all about individual student, your relationship with that student. And this also applies to to your friends, to your family members, that individual person, what would they like to hear? What would be important for them to know? Um, it's, so with students, it's really a, an individual experience, but also your relationship with them is the biggest, I guess, predictor of yeah. what you could say. Like making that connection beyond just, you're my student, I'm your therapist, and this is our roles but finding a connection with them on like a, a little bit of a deeper level yeah and I'm also not afraid to say like I understand you're having a really rough time like I understand speech is not the first thing on your mind right now like what let's use this time for something more productive let's catch up on something else let's work together to find something to help you instead of let's work on your R's those are real important right now that's not my way of doing things and mm -hmm. it, it I had to learn these lessons like in in action right after everything happened 
in 2018 with me that students came in just sad and like, are you going to work on a list? Are you going to work on like language stuff when they're just depressed and not able to get out of bed? And, and it's really, really hard. Uh, and obviously people don't have the same situation as me that it's rare for something like that, but you can't excuse other people's trauma. And that's why I really enjoy trauma informed education and practice. Because if you go in with the mindset that your students are having a tough time or this behavior is because they are communicating me something, you, you need to be mindful that you said it, mindful of the other person and that it's not just they're acting out, they're a bad student, they're a bad kid. You need to not investigate. Don't be like a detective into looking into what their trauma is, but just be cognizant that they may be having a tough time right now. Yeah, I like that you brought that up too. It's not like you don't have to, because I think this is the hard part that a lot of us have, like we don't have to investigate it. We don't have to fix it. It's just like supporting them and being there, like not having to know all the details kind of, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I do think it's important to, like you've mentioned a few times, like trauma is trauma. There's no, like what I experience as trauma may not be what you experience. And if we experience the same thing, it may not affect each of us the same way. And I think that, um, you know, I've seen a lot from from how everyone had to kind of jump into the virtual world um, and, and do virtual therapy and work with more directly with families than we may have had to do in the past. Um, that I think it's just really important now, almost more than ever, to realize that, like, what we're experiencing now is trauma for a lot of people. And that some of the things that might be going on in households that we would just say, well, this is unacceptable, it might be their way of coping or it might be all that they can do. Um, and so, like you said, just being mindful and just saying, you know, like, hey, this might not be the most important thing for you today, but what can we, you know, what can we do to help anyway? Um, I think that is so important because what we do is important. Like working on, you know, we want our, we want our students to be able to, to be confident in their speech. Like, let's say like they're in high school and they're working on R, but that mm -hmm. might really not be the most important thing to them at that time. But, you right. know, yeah, I, totally. I, I was going to say like with this pandemic, it, it's a double-edged sword for shared trauma because you have some people that are so distant from any trauma they're they're still going on vacation they haven't been affected at all and when they look at someone else who may be showing physically that they are having a tough time they're like oh like it's not that bad and that's inappropriate so for you to compare what if you have the same trauma or anything you, you can't do that you have to be like my life is not the only life being lived right now and other people are experiencing this very differently and you have to take that into account when you're thinking of, oh, they're just in high school, nothing bad is happening to them. They're just in elementary school, nothing bad is happening to them. You can't think like that. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely, um, absolutely true. And it is, it is such a strange time where we all are experiencing this, like, and, and like, 
experiencing it different, but like with restrictions in different places being different ways that it is like within my own family, we all live in different states and like each of our states have different rules. So there is like some can go on vacation and some are basically on lockdown and then others are like in that in between. And it's really um, a really strange place to be. And then our students, we might be seeing in different states where they're dealing with all of these different things or you know, different counties in your own state might be dealing with different things. And it is just um, like a lot right now. It's so much. 2020 is a lot. I know. I know. It is. It really is. Um, well, that's awesome. So if somebody wanted to know more about trauma-informed, they could definitely go to your your page because you do share like other resources and things too, which is awesome. But are there any, like, if someone really wanted to learn a lot more about this, are there any, um, like, courses or books or, like, bigger resources that you would recommend? Yes. yes. So the first book that I read about it was The Deepest Well by Nadine Burke Harris, who you may be familiar with the name. She gave a TED Talk. Um, she is kind of in the celebrity atmosphere uh, for bringing ACEs, childhood ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, traumatic events. So she did this TED Talk and really brought to light the, the study that was done, I mean, years and years before that, but she did a lot of research with that in poor areas. And she found that there is a physical connection between childhood trauma and like early death, cancer, heart disease, all these medical issues. Um, so that was the first book I read. Uh, the other one is The Body Keeps the Score. And I, I can't pronounce his name. It's like Vander, Vander Bulk or something. It's, uh, I have to look it up. Um, I'll put it in this. I'll find it and okay. put it in. Thank you. Yes. So the body keeps a score is just another book about how your body physically changes after trauma. And I think when you read these books, you really get the feel of how some of these students are are acting. You you may get a kid that's in fifth grade that you think, oh, that's a typical ADD kid. I've heard speech pathologists talk about this all the time. Oh, that's a student with autism. That's a student with ADD. And in reality, ADD goes really <laughs> into PTSD. Like they look exactly the same. So you may have to turn off your speech brain for a little bit and say, this is actually trauma manifesting in this way. Or they have, as adults, uh, the trauma that they have as a kid is now affecting their adult life. And mm -hmm. I see all the time, like, oh, something happened when you were a kid and you're an adult and now you're able to process it and get over it. And unfortunately, when this happens to you as a, a kid, it affects your very molecules and it's not that easy just to get over it. We find people with more chronic inflammation, um, arthritis, there, there's so many body effects of trauma. And that was made popular by Nadine Burke Harris, who brought the ACEs study to light. Um, yeah. And even but, just yeah. like, so. just, uh, anxiety, you know, like that type of, of thing where you may not realize it from, you know, something that happens when you're a child, but it follows you. And then as an adult, all of a sudden you're like, why do I have this 
like coming up all the time. And yeah, and it's, you know, um, my brother and I joke about that because we had um, some traumatic like health issues with some of our with our with our parent as as mm-hmm. a kid and I was the youngest so it we joked that it definitely affected me like more and then with as like the siblings that were older it's like less and less and less of you know of that sinking with us and um if that makes any sense at all I totally yes I understand what you're it, saying. Is, it is super super important to know that like I mean, there's so many things that could affect the students that we work with. And yeah, and so these are awesome resources. I love these. So keep going. What else? Oh, gosh. Um, So I know that I follow a lot of Instagram pages. So you guys don't have to follow all of them. Um, (laughs) I really like um, Ms. Dwayne on Instagram. Uh, She's a doctoral student. Um, I think she she is in Michigan. she just posts the most, uh, it's trauma-informed education. And she's, she admits that she's constantly learning. Um, we've had such a cultural shift in the last couple months. And it's been really eye-opening when she posts something about trauma-informed education. There, There's trauma-informed education and race and uh, cultural uh, what's the word for it? Like generational trauma. I, I didn't even know that that was really a thing or I, I had heard about it. I didn't know what it meant. And it wasn't until I saw her posts and people that she posted it um, that could really give a good explanation. And some of these, you know, infographics, they can only give you so much information. So you really have to take it for what it's worth and then go investigate it more. Um, She's one that I really follow. Um, there's trauma informed. If you just type that in, there are so many people that come up. Um, but those are those are the major ones. Those two, two books help me a lot. You can also check out the TED Talk by Nadine Burke Harris that summarizes the ACEs study. Um, and Miss Dwayne actually, after I got so into the ACEs study, she was the one that posted that the ACEs study has kind of been adopted, not in the right way or not in the way that it was intended. What's happening now is that schools are picking up the ACEs study. What it is, is a checklist of all the possible things that are considered traumatic as a child. And the schools are getting a hold of this and they're basically giving the surveys to teachers to give to students. And she completely is against this and i i don't think it's appropriate either um what Mm -hmm. it the aces study was supposed to be given was by physicians and they are the ones that are supposed to be tracking it um there are like de-identified surveys that like does your child have five of these or more so you're not saying yes my child has endured physical abuse sexual abuse emotional abuse um all these things that would implicate the parent or caregiver. So a lot of these ACEs studies are being used not in the right way. And we have to kind of get away from that. And I think that comes from teachers wanting to know, they got to know everything, what happened to this kid. And you just have to let go of that and just say, this kid has experienced trauma and that's all I need to know. Yeah. And then start to put in some of the practices that you can do to, to help 
yeah. help them with what you're working with, right? Like help yeah. them as you're teaching them. Yes, the number one thing that is proven to help childhood adverse childhood experiences um, is a one positive adult relationship. So that can be the teacher, that can be the SLP. It's the person that they look forward to coming to see every day. And I don't, I don't think that I would ever say I'm that, I'm that person for someone. I know that there are other teachers that'd be like, oh, my student comes every day to see me. It's, and I, I don't like that. That like makes me cringe. Um, it's up to the student to decide who that safe person is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that you say that though, because that was something that changed for me uh, the way that I looked at being an SLP. So when I was like, I took uh, like a almost five year break, and the last setting that I was in before I took a break was a school setting, and I always say like there was nothing wrong. I was actually at a very good school tons of support like the staff was amazing the administrators were amazing we got along well um and it, it was just like a lot of little things that that built up and i didn't know how to deal with the stress but that's like you know that's all the other episodes um and all the other <laughs> right. can read more about that but you know when i when i came back and i started working in teletherapy um i started part-time and with schools and it was virtual schools and there were families but one of the reasons I left was that I didn't feel, I felt constantly worn out that I wasn't making a difference. And that, you know, it was like, I thought people would reach goals or I thought I would like be making more of a big impact in the world. And, um, and I just decided it wasn't the right thing to do. And when I came back and, and just working with a few students and, you know, some of it I think was that I'd worked through stress and I'd gone through yoga and mindfulness training. So I kind of just had a different shift in perspective on a lot of things, but I also was a mom. And so I think that was like, you know, it was just like, I had a huge soft spot for kids even more than before, but it was like, um, even when I didn't feel like my students maybe like got that much out of the session, I knew more about their home lives and I knew more about their, because I was doing virtual and they were kids in a virtual school, you know, so you got to know their families more, their parents would let you, you know, know more about some of the struggles they were having, or you would, you know, be in touch with their teachers and know like that school was really challenging for them and things that I didn't always know before. Um, but anyway, what that boils down to me in this rambling right here is that like, I felt like, even if the only thing we got out of the session was that they had a moment in a really crappy day where they got to smile or, you know, they like, we, we'd sat and we played a game and they had a moment that was really fun, but they got nothing out of the actual speech part. Like at least they had a moment in their day where they could just be okay. And, yeah. and, you know, and that would make the difference. And so for me, it was like, I finally felt like, okay, yes, this work is something, even if they're not reaching their speech goals necessarily in the way that they're written in the IEP, like, are they getting anything out of this? And if I can be a place of positivity for them, and if I can tell them like, hey, you're doing an awesome job, like, or some, you know, give them like something like, you know, I'm so excited to see you today and something where they feel that there's someone there and there's some good in their day and there's some good in their life, like that can change so much. And 
I mean, I don't think I was their number one person by any means, but it's still like we can change so much and make things so much better with just the smallest little things. And it doesn't have to be, you know, that they meet all their goals on their IEP. Exactly. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that is amazing. I, I love that that is, you know, that's actually part of it too. Cause I think that can keep us, you know, when we are feeling stress and we are feeling burnout and all of those things, a lot of times we feel disconnected from what we're doing and that like we have no purpose and it can just start to bring you back in and see that we're still, we're still making a difference. And yeah. I completely agree. It's, it's really interesting. Like as I look back, it's almost in February, it'll be three years later after my traumatic experience. And there are so many things like right after I, I remember teachers, I was, a, I was a person that never took off a day ever. Um, even in high school, like I'd come to school sick um, because I was so worried about missing something. And that was the anxiety in me. And mm -hmm. I, I, that carried into like grad school. I never missed um, a college. I never missed a class. I never skipped class because I hated missing oh things. Even as a, as a speech pathologist, I never took off work. And after the shooting happened, um, we found that teachers were not taking off because they felt obligated to be there. And even some students told them, like, I can't come to school. I don't feel safe if you're not here. So teachers had such, that was such a guilty, I mean, thing that they felt guilty taking off. Eventually what happened was, the district gave us some extra days off and now you can't keep teachers in They're They're like, I'm taking care of myself. They're the first to be like self-care, taking a day off. Um, and I had to go through that. Not I had to, but I did go through that and that changed how I felt about it. And now I'm not worried about taking a day off from my mental health. I, and I tell students like, look, you you can take off a period coming late today like if if you're able to manage that I don't want them to think that they have to be at school that it's life-changing if they don't um so th there's a lot of lessons that I learned I would have rather not gone through what I went through to learn lessons like that but I'm just I go slower now I just I don't I don't have those like anxious things of not being able to miss or like I'm chronically early to everything and I still I mean I'm early usually but I don't worry about it anymore or I'll show up on time and that's a big change for me so I also use the coping strategies that I preach in my on my page the guided meditations or the guided breathing activities if I'm having a panic attack or just a, like a stressful moment. You don't need to be going through a panic attack or a traumatic experience to use these. You can use these when it's just like having a bad day, having a stressful day. One thing made you mad. Like, I, I don't think people understand that enough. Like I get a lot of people that message me, you're so brave or like you had such a bad experience. I only had this traumatic thing happen and I'm, I'm reading it. I'm like, wow, that that's really bad. Like. I don't want people to downplay what they're going through. Like you need to feel people accept that feeling of I'm having a bad day and own it. Like 
you're able to have that or you're having a bad hour that doesn't contribute to the whole day. So there, there are a lot of like lessons that I've learned, but it's been because I've had to slow myself down. I was working three jobs I, and I'm, I'm burnt out. I am, but I'm doing better putting strategies in place and making sure I say no. I, boundaries are the biggest thing that I've had to put up. I'm so good at saying no now with like taking on an extra project that I just can't do. I, I'm a big people pleaser and I need to say no. And I've managed to to do that. And it's been helpful, especially during coronavirus that I just, I need to say no for my own well-being. Yeah. You know, saying no is something that is so hard to do. And, um, but it is so important. And I think that we're really bad at saying no as SLPs. I think that we want to, like, we just are, I don't know if we're trained from grad school, because I feel like at least in my program, like you weren't really allowed to say no. Um, and not, you know, like you couldn't miss days. You couldn't, you know, oh, you had to be there. Yeah. Which that's is just like, I'm actually going to be posting about that at some point, but no, that well, is a whole rant. Yeah. So I think we're trained that we like, we have to just like say yes and do more and do more and, and not feel and not, um, you know, just, you know, push through everything and yep. saying no is, oh my gosh, I love that. It's hard. Like I still have trouble with that or I'm good at saying it, but I don't like how I feel when I say it, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it is so important to do. So important to do. Um, I love that. That is, that is awesome. So where can... Do you have any good resources for like if someone wanted to find more affirmations or more guided breathing? Um, do you have any resources that you like to go to or, um, you know, anywhere that people can find some of those? So there was this one page that I just started following for affirmations because I'm not good at this. I am not. I'm I not wouldn't good at myself. Either. I'm not good at affirmations and I don't consider myself a positive person. I, I can I'm probably more pessimistic than anything. So I have to, I have to actively work at being positive. So I, I just found this page the other day. It was positively present and they're cute little infographics. And I, I think yes. I posted one in my story the other day and it was just like, if you're feeling lonely, this, um, these things to do, or just like, simple things, affirmations that you could say. Um, the affirmations to me are harder for me to do. Like, I don't know how much benefit I see. I, I love, there's a, a YouTube video called like Jessica's Daily Affirmations. That's probably like a 10 year old video. And it's a little girl in the mirror. And she's like, I'm so brave. I can do anything I want. I've got great hair. And like, that just makes me smile, you know, and like, I have to learn to say those things to myself when I look in the mirror. And it's really hard in coronavirus when I haven't done my makeup, my eyes are like, super dark circles. And like, that that's really hard. So the affirmations are something that I continue to work on. But I know some people are so, so much more affected by saying those positive things to themselves. So I'm 
trying to do that daily. Oh, and another thing, I started journaling recently. Um, and I know that you talk about that a lot and journaling has helped, but I do this Reflecty app and I don't do the paid version or anything. And it's just like this, um, this emoji is how I'm feeling right now related to relationship or related to family or related to friends. And it's just a way to like check in with myself and it's it's not even just like to track it or to look back it's to get it out so it's kind of like therapy for me once I type it in my phone it's kind of out of my head and I do feel a lot better so that's another thing that I'm just constantly trying to put myself in a good mindset I try yeah it's that those are really great resources um and I I love the the journaling app because um, I talk about journaling a lot, but I'm not good at doing it. Um, (laughs) But it is really great. So that's a really great way. And then the Positively Present, that is, I love the account and I love that they are positive and, you know, like optimistic, but also um, it's not like always about things are you know it's not ignoring that things are negative sometimes too you know like it's kind of strategies to work with that it's not just like everything's perfect everything's okay don't you know don't pay any attention to the things that aren't going well you're good you're fine um it's it's really great so yeah that is a great place to go I forgot all about that account to go for affirmations um you know what it was it was actually it was a like a pie chart of things to do or like why things are okay, what did it say? Reasons to stay positive. And it said, you've gotten through tough times before. A lot of things are still going right. Something amazing could happen. It won't last forever and dog. Which, yeah, <laughs> to, to all of those things. And it, you know, it made me smile. And some of those things I could say like, yes, that applies to me. Yes, that applies to me. And then I can also look at some of it and say, no, that doesn't really apply to me. And I don't need to take it for what it's worth, but just having that, and I'm a much more visual person. So seeing that is more positive than me saying like affirmations to myself. But I'm trying all these methods in order to get some like positivity. I, I live by myself, so maybe I just need to hear my own voice for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's been hard. So I'm trying to do all these different venues of things, getting out of my comfort zone, but also trying to find things that would help me in a positive way. Yeah, these are these are all like really great though, and it is like you said, it's just trying different things. Like I feel that way too. That there are we're all different. What we experience is different. So the things that are going to help us, like even when we know something is really great, it might be what we need that day, but the next day we might need something different, or what you need might be different than what I need, just because of you know who we are and things that we've been through and it's going to be different for everyone. So sometimes it's just playing around and trying different things and seeing what sticks with you or what, um, you know, like knowing, all right, like I am, I know that I need to, to work on this. So I'm going to like try and focus on this, even if it's kind of hard, but I know in the long run, it's going to be really good. Um, yeah. All of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. So I, I love all of these really, awesome resources uh, for so many different things and strategies that we can can start to use for ourselves and 
for when we're working with our students or our patients or our clients or whatever setting we might be in. Um, and so I'm going to put all of these in the notes with some links so people can um, can find them. And I'm going to add these books to my um, ever-growing digital library list um, <laughs> because I'm excited. I'm excited to read these. Um, so thank you for that. So where else, before we wrap up, where can, um, where can people come find you and find all of this, like these things that you do share frequently? So my main account is on Instagram and that's at ptsd.slp. I do have a Facebook group and it's private. It's, I think, PTSD resources for SLPs. I'm not on that one too often. The reason that I made it in the first place was because um, I had a lot of people in my district that are older and they don't have Instagram and they're like, we really want this information. Um, and I wanted it to be more of a discussion place, like a forum that people could ask questions, but instead it kind of just is me posting what I posted on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. So I hear you uh, on that, that, one. One, <laughs> that one's available too. Um, but I, it's, if you have any questions, like I'm always available on Instagram, I'll, I'll answer back at some point, um, usually pretty quickly. But those are the two main places that you can find me. Actually, the, the only two places <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> well, nice. Or if you happen to be giving a talk somewhere at some point, we can always, oh. but we find out about that through Instagram. So it's perfect. Yes. And I will um, let you know, I was going to be speaking at Slasha um, in this past June. And that obviously got canceled, but um, I should have some speaking stuff up soon. Awesome. Awesome. So everybody listening, um, head over to Rachel's Instagram account and do follow because it is a really great place to just get resources. And then from there, um, you can find more and more and more about this because this is, I think, you know, it's always been important, but it's just becoming more and more and more important and more mainstream. And, and that's, that's what we want it to be. We want, you know, like we said before, these tiny little niches to, to become just what we like learn as part of our field. Um, Yeah. So thank you, Rachel, for being here today. Anytime. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you everybody for tuning in. And I hope that you come back for the next episode. Are you ready to truly manage your stress, reduce burnout, and finally find more balance in your life? Well, the SLP Stress Management course is here to help you do just that. In this eight-week course, you'll take a deep dive into what stress is and why it affects SLPs so much, as well as learn practical stress management tools as you build a step-by-step system that works for your stress and your daily needs. You can check this out now at jessieandrix.com and I hope to see you in the course.